Today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. You know, we say, with God, nothing is impossible. You know, sometimes I wonder, and in my own life, I've experienced that there is something that is impossible for God, and it's that which is still possible for me. It's like it's hands off to God. God, I got this. Okay. God, I can do this. Okay. <laughs> it's still possible for me. I've, I've got options. I got plans. I got strategies. I got resources. I can do this. Okay. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Second Chronicles. Everything we have is from God. We have abilities and talents. We have possessions and resources. God has blessed us in many ways. But as Pastor J.D. reminds us in today's study, sometimes our pride makes us forget that without God, all of our accomplishments are empty. And only He can turn our failures into victories that will matter for eternity. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of this broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now, here's Pastor J.D. with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. God says, I'm going to call you and deliver the Israelites, the Medeanites, into the hands of the Israelites, and I'm going to use you. And Gideon is so fearful that he questions God and puts God through all of these tests, we call them fleeces. We think they're this great, you know, I'm going to put out a fleece, you know, by faith. That was a lack of faith. I mean, think about it. Okay, God, if this is really you, I'm going to put this little fleece out here and make the dew appear on the ground, but not on the fleece. And God does it. And then here's Gideon, great man of faith, right? Okay, God, just to be really, 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 really sure it's you, this time I want the dew to be on the fleece and nowhere on the ground. And God's like, okay, whatever. So he does it. And so Gideon's stuck, and he even still tries to get out of it. He uses the three strikes, I'm out argument. God, <laughs> my, my family is the black sheep of the tribe, our tribe. And our tribe is the black sheep of all of the tribes of Israel. And the third strike, I'm the black sheep of my family, so I'm out. Pick somebody else. God says, no, you're the guy I'm going to use for that reason. There's no way, because people, people know you, Gideon. They know how you are. So after I do this, <laughs> they're going to look at you and go, it wasn't Gideon. It had to be God. And so now they're up against this 135,000 strong army of the Medeanites. And Gideon's got something like like 32,000 men, I think it is. And God says to Gideon, I'm sorry, but you, you've got too many men. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to go to your men, to all 32,000 of them, and I want you to say, listen, if you're fearful, you can go. And I can just imagine Gideon, I know what I would have done. I would have said, if you're fearful, you can go home. What'd you say? If you're afraid, go home. And he watches his 22,000 men go. Now he's down to 10,000. He's still up against 135,000. And then God says, okay, now you still have too many men. So here's what we're going to do. And for those of you that went to Israel with us, we went to the springs where Gideon went. And I want you to take your 10,000 men to this spring. 
And I want you to separate them based on how they drink the water. Okay, so 9,700 men get down and they stick their face in the water and drink. And 300 men take the water and they cup it in their hands and they bring it up to their mouth. And I know what Gideon's thinking. There's no way I'm going to end up with 9,700. I'm getting the 300. And the reason I know that and believe that is because these were cripples. These were elderly. They were the lame, the blind, and the crippled that could not get down and stick their face in the water. The ones that could were young, strong. And think about it, 9,700 men like that could have taken the credit for the victory over 135,000 Medianites. So God's like, I can't. That way, with 300 lame, blind, crippled men, and you get in at the helm, (laughs) there is no way, even if you wanted to, that you could ever take the credit for what I'm about to do. That's the way God works. And Asa was like that at one time when he's up against this million-man army of the Ethiopians. And he had to rely on the Lord. And now he's strong in his own strength. And he forgot. He forgot that the Lord did this, not him. One of the most dangerous things, I think, for me as a pastor, is to ever think that I had anything to do with the blessing of God on this wonderful church that is my privilege to pastor. If I, the moment I start taking the credit, yeah, you know, we did this, man. Oh, just would you get out of the way because there's a lightning bolt coming and it's headed in my direction. It's the Lord. It's the Lord. Only the Lord gets the glory. Well, that's what he forgot. Here's what he thought. He thought he could do it himself. And the reason I believe that is because Baasha and Israel were a much smaller and weaker foe than was Ethiopia before them. Isn't this true that we trust God for the big things, the Ethiopia armies, but when it comes to the smaller Baashas, it's like, Lord, I got this. I can do this. And it's like the Lord's going, well, again, He won't force Himself on us. He just says, okay, I'll be here when you need me, and you're going to need me. It's like we think somehow that we can do it in our own strength, in the energy of our own flesh. And what happens is we, it's not long before we come to the end of ourselves. And the sooner we get there, the better. One of the things that, and I've got the scars to prove it, is that I've tried in my own strength to do things only to be met with total and utter failure. And I come to the end of myself, and it's as if God is saying, man, it's about time. You could have saved yourself so much difficulty and pain and sorrow and suffering had you but come to me first and relied on me instead of your own Strength, And that's our third one. This is what he fought. He fought in and relied on his own strength, his own savvy, his own strategy. Now, because in his older age, he had 
self-confidence. Self-confidence is very dangerous. The common denominator in what Asa forgot, thought, and fought was his haughty spirit and that of his being filled with pride. And we're going to see that demonstrated here shortly and, and tragically, actually. There is a delineation of sorts in Proverbs between having a haughty spirit and being filled with pride in the sense that one leads to the other. We're told in Proverbs sixteen eighteen that pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. In other words, the haughty spirit, which eventually leads to the pride, which leads to destruction, but the haughty spirit is what leads first to a fall. That's what leads to the fall. And then when we become filled with pride, it ultimately leads to our destruction. And verse 9, for the eyes of the Lord, he's still talking to Asa, for the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. In this you have done foolishly. Therefore, from now on, you shall have wars. Perhaps it goes without saying, but this is amongst the most popular and well-known promises in all of the pages of Scripture. The eyes of the Lord search to and fro throughout the earth. And as God is searching, He's looking for a heart that is fully reliant on and devoted to the Lord. And when He finds that heart fully devoted to Him, then He is strong on their behalf. A couple thoughts on this. The first of which is that this is a profound and powerful promise in God's Word. And here's the thing, it applies to us today. This promise applies to us today. All that, think about this, all that stands in the way of God Himself showing Himself strong on our behalf is that of our heart being fully, not half, fully committed to Him fully relying on Him. And the Lord knows our heart. We see only the outward appearance, but God knows our heart. And He sees our heart, and He knows when our hands are up in full and complete surrender to Him. Lord, there is no way unless You do this, I can't. And that is the best place to be in the life of a Christian. It's what one referred to as three steps. It's the three-step program. <laughs> Step one, realize you can't. Step two, know He can. And step three, let Him. And is that not easier said than done? Just letting God do it for you and instead of you. That way again, He alone gets all the glory. Because I can't do this. Good. I can, says God. Will you let me? Okay. What have you got to lose, man? 
God here. This, this is impossible. Finally. You know, we say, with God, nothing is impossible. You know, sometimes I wonder, and in my own life, I've experienced that there is something that is impossible for God, and it's that which is still possible for me. It's like it's hands off to God. God, I got this. Okay. God, I can do this. Okay. <laughs> it's still possible for me. I've, I've got options. I got plans. I got strategies. I got resources. I can do this. Okay. And then we come to the end of ourselves and we throw up our hands. We say, God, I can't do this. And God says, will you just let me do this for you instead of you? Because God will always do it in a way that brings him the glory for our good. It's always for our good and his glory. The second thought, and we're almost done here, has to do with God's part, and I'll say and add God's heart in all of this. It's that God knows, God sees, and God cares. Never imagine that anything in our lives, whether good or bad, big or small, ever escapes the notice of our loving Heavenly Father. When our hearts are fully devoted to the Lord, we can take great comfort in knowing that He will be our strength in every situation in our lives, if we would but be fully devoted to Him. F.B. Meyer said it with such eloquence. He says this, What an exquisite thought is suggested by the allusion to the eyes of the Lord running to and fro throughout the whole earth. At a glance, he takes in our position. Not a sorrow, trial, or temptation visits us without exciting his notice and loving sympathy. In all the whole wide earth, there is not one spot so lonely one heart so darkened as to escape those eyes. Throughout Scripture we see that the eyes of the Lord are always upon us. First Peter 3.12, For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and His ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Psalm 34.15, The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous, and his ears are open unto their cry. Psalm thirty-three, eighteen. Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope for his loving kindness. Job thirty-four, twenty-one. For his eyes are upon the ways of a man, and he sees all his steps. Verse 10. Look at Asa's response. Then Asa was angry with the seer and put him in prison, for he was enraged at him because of this, and Asa oppressed some of the people at that time. Wow. you got to be kidding me. <laughs> Instead of humbling himself in brokenness, he doesn't like the message, so he puts the messenger in prison. This is textbook, isn't it? Now before we get and come down too hard on this guy, <laughs> for doing this. 
Don't you think we would do well to consider our own ways? How about when we hear a message we don't want to hear? What is our response? Do we get angry? It's been said that if you throw a rock into a pack of dogs, the dog that barks the loudest got hit the hardest. So think about that next time you complain about one of my sermons. (laughs) Maybe you got hit pretty hard. Listen, there's been times where when I've sat under the teaching of God's Word, it's like nobody else needed to be there. That was for me. And it's like everybody knew it. It's kind of like when that word fitly spoken was spoken, And it just nailed me, and I was convicted. I'm crawling underneath the chairs going, man, that was for me. None of you guys needed to be here. That was for me, man. I mean, the Lord just convicted me. Now, we can have one of two responses to that. We can either react in anger, like Asa did, or we can react in surrender and humble ourselves in brokenness. Verse 11 Note that the acts of Asa, first and last, are indeed written in the book of the kings of Judah and Israel. And in the 39th year of his reign, boy, it just keeps going downhill. Asa became diseased in his feet, and his malady was severe. Yet in his disease, he did not seek the Lord, but the physicians. So Asa rested with his fathers. He died in the 41st year of his reign. They buried him in his own tomb, which he had made for himself in the city of David. And they laid him in the bed, which was filled with spices and various ingredients prepared in a mixture of ointments. They made a very great burning for him. I doubt very much that it's possible to overstate just how stiff-necked and hard-hearted Asa had become at the end of his life. And again, you would think as you get older in the Lord and you mature, in the grace of God, that you would become more humble and more broken and not be so stiff-necked and hard-hearted. But this is what happened. Now remember that Asa is one of only nine good kings of whom it was said they did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. And yet in the end, he doesn't seek the Lord when overcome by disease. I don't know if he caught it, but I believe that if he had sought the Lord instead of the physicians, that God would have healed him. That's the inference here. That's the implication of him not seeking the Lord in his sickness. I believe God would have healed him and he would have lived There's something that God finds irresistible, and that's repentance. A repentant heart, a heart that turns back to the Lord, he will in no wise cast out. If Asa would have just humbled himself, it's not too late in the game. 41 years, 41 years into his reign, if he would have just said, Lord, oh, how foolish I am. How proud I've become. Lord, I humble myself in your sight. The Lord would have lifted him up, and I believe the Lord would have healed him. But instead, 
He hardened his heart and he stiffened his neck. And this is Proverbs 29.1. He who is often rebuked and hardens his neck will suddenly be destroyed and that without remedy. There does come a point where God says, okay, the heart is too hard. The mind's already made up. And as such, the fate is already sealed. And that was the case with him. I want to, before we uh, close address this issue that is actually kind of problematic concerning Asa seeking the physicians instead of God. It's unfortunate because there are those who have interpreted this to mean that we're never to seek out medical care from physicians when we're sick. We're just simply to rely on the Lord, trust in the Lord, and not seek out the physicians. And this is absolutely not what this verse is saying. What it is saying is that we're not to rely on physicians making them a God instead of relying on the one and only true living God. And that's what he did. And uh, I like how one commentator uh, said it of Asa. He says, he refused to rely on God in the face of the threat against him from Israel and Syria. He refused to rely on God in his loving correction from Hanani the seer. It is no wonder that he also refused to rely on God regarding his diseased feet at the end of his life. This was a powerful warning to both the first readers of the Chronicler and to us. And by the way, that's why we have it recorded in our Bibles. It's so that we can see the end of such a man who at the end of his life refuses, refuses to rely on the Lord in the face of all of these threats and even this sickness. I'll close with Charles Spurgeon who addresses this matter of seeking medical treatment. I think he says it best. It is not wrong to send for physicians. It is quite right, but it is very wrong to send for physicians in place of crying to God thus putting the human agency before the divine besides, and pay particular attention to this, it is very probable that Asa's physicians were only heathenous conjurers, necromancers, and pretenders to magical arts, and could not be consulted without implicating the patient in their evil practices. In other words, he sought the pagan physicians, the magic, this art, this magical art instead of the Lord. These were not physicians like we know physicians today. These were pagan practices that he was consulting in and relying on. And thus we read of his end. And I'm sorry to end a Bible study on such a note. There's so much more to learn from the nation of Israel and the book of Second Chronicles. But sadly, that's all the time we have for today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. Be sure to join us again, though, as Pastor J.D. continues teaching verse by verse through this fascinating Old Testament book. In the meantime, you can find more messages from Pastor J.D. by visiting our website at InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com. That address again is inspiritandtruthradio.com. 
You can subscribe to our podcast as well and receive new messages right away. Download our mobile app for Android and iPhone, as well as always have teachings from God's Word right at your fingertips. Don't miss the Aloha Prophecy Update either. Each Friday and Saturday, Pastor J.D. shares the current events and how they relate to the end times prophecies described in the Bible. The purpose behind these updates is to take a practical look at the end times that we believe we are in. Pastor J.D. hopes the information he provides stirs in us an urgency to share the gospel message and make sure all have heard of the good news of Jesus before he returns to judge the world. There's much to learn each week, and Pastor J.D. does a great job of getting us the information we need. You can find new and previous updates by visiting our YouTube channel. We hope today's message has touched your life and left you craving more from the Word of God. Join Pastor J.D. next time for another in-depth look at the book of 2 Chronicles, right here on In Spirit and Truth. With you.